You are Locked On Ravens, your daily Baltimore Ravens podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. And we return here with another episode of Locked On Ravens. I am your host, Kevin Ostriker of Ravens Wire. Today's episode is brought to you by Built Bar. Go to BuiltBar.com and use promo code LOCKED15 and you'll get 15% off of your next order. And we've returned here on another Mock Draft Monday, another week closer to the NFL Draft. It's kind of that countdown that we had to free agency. Now we're doing it for the draft. And as it is April 12th here today, the NFL Draft just 17 days away. The first night of the NFL Draft is on April 29th. So... There's a little bit of time, but we're slowly getting closer and closer. The Ravens holding the 27th overall pick, and we've been running through these Mock Draft Mondays, Mock Draft scenarios for this Baltimore team for quite a while now. And I will miss it when it's all said and done and the Ravens do have their new players, but that's the exciting part is when we know who the next batch of Baltimore Ravens are, the next young group of great Baltimore Ravens players. So we're going to be doing our regular Mock Draft Monday routine, getting into the Mock Draft that I did for Mock Draft Sunday in the second segment, and then getting into some Mock Drafts from Twitter that we received in the final segment. But in the first segment, I do want to talk a bit about an interview that Steelers wide receiver Juju Smith-Schuster had with Michael Irvin on Michael Irvin's podcast. And you might be asking, why do you want to talk about Juju Smith-Schuster? That ship has sailed. And yes, it has, but he had some comments on there about why he decided not to sign with the Ravens. And I just want to kind of discuss that in this first segment and talk about what it means, why Smith-Schuster ended up having not second thoughts about Baltimore, but ended up not wanting to sign with the team. So we will talk about that in the first segment. So to recap, Juju Smith-Schuster comments in the first segment, Mock Draft Sunday in the second, and finally Mock Drafts from Twitter in the final segment. So with all that being said, let's jump right in. But before we do that, be sure to follow us on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, anywhere there's a podcast where they're waiting Monday through Friday at 6 a.m. Eastern Time. Also, be sure to follow us on Twitter at LockedOnRavens and my personal account at KAustriker34 for any Ravens news analysis, updates, historical perspectives, and much, much more. So with all that being said, let's jump right into the Juju Smith-Schuster comments that he had on Michael Irvin's podcast. And it's not necessarily a huge deal, right? Juju Smith-Schuster decided to go back to Pittsburgh on a one-year deal instead of signing with the Ravens. That, all in all, is not a huge deal. I wasn't one in the party of wanting Juju Smith-Schuster a ton. You know, he would have been a nice piece, but I didn't think the fit was there from an offensive perspective in terms of what the Ravens actually needed at the time. But when asked about his preferences, Smith-Schuster, it was known that he turned down both the Ravens and the Chiefs. Mike Orvin asked him, who was your second team? Who would you have gone to if it was not the Steelers? And Juju Smith-Schuster said it was the Kansas City Chiefs. The Chiefs were his number two option. Andy Reid was texting him pictures of the Lombardi Trophy and everything. But then Michael Orvin asked him, he said, well, what ended up being the reason of not wanting to go to Baltimore? Could you not bring yourself to go to Baltimore because the Steelers and the Ravens are obviously very big rivals? And Smith-Schuster said a couple of things along the lines of, you know, Lamar Jackson's in a very run-heavy offense. His top target was Mark Andrews, who's a tight end, you know, and just stuff along those lines. And that's fine. You know, I think a lot of people 
saw this and saw Juju Smith-Schuster saying this about Lamar Jackson, about the Ravens offense, and thinking it was a, a shot at the Ravens and, and Lamar Jackson, and I don't think it was that. I think that Juju Smith-Schuster genuinely appreciated the Ravens, you know, courting and the all the things that they did to try to get him on board, but at the end of the day, Smith-Schuster decides to return to a pass-heavy offense instead of going to a run-heavy offense, and that is his decision. But the difference I saw, the difference I saw in a guy like Juju Smith-Schuster and Sammy Watkins, who actually did sign in Baltimore, is just a willingness to be a part of the Ravens system right now, be a part of a growing team. And, and look, this team, it's been competitive ever since really the franchise got started. There have been a couple years here and there where they haven't been, but over these last couple years with Lamar Jackson, they have shown the rest of the league that, look, we're going to be competitive as long as Lamar Jackson is at that helm. Our defense is playing at a high level, but the difference is maybe compared to other teams is if you're a receiver, you might not get 100 catches a year or a thousand yards a year, 10 touchdowns a year. That's just not what this Ravens offense is. But in Juju Smith Schuster versus Sammy Watkins, me personally, if I were the Ravens, I would want somebody who was bought in, who was confident in the Ravens offense, and who was okay being a part of the show, is we heard Sammy Watkins say during his interview. Sammy Watkins said that he talked to Lamar Jackson and said, Look, I want to be a part of the show. This is your show. Just let me be a part of it, right? That's the, Those are the types of things that Sammy Watkins had to say to Lamar Jackson, to the Ravens organization, saying Baltimore felt like home, this, that, and the other. I think that's what I would want on my team as opposed to somebody, let's see, Juju Smith-Schuster did sign in Baltimore. He might have second thoughts, second guesses. Is this really the right fit for me? Do I really want to be here? You know, he starts to get two targets in a game or four targets in a game instead of six, seven, eight with the Steelers. And he starts to say, man, did I really make the right choice? And if, look, if Smith-Schuster valued winning, then maybe that would be good for him and he would be okay with it and everything. And obviously, I think to an extent, every NFL player does value winning, values a winning culture, this, that, and the other. But for Sammy Watkins, this was a decision of, look, I've, I've had my fun in Kansas City. He said stuff along those lines as well. You know, he wanted a change of scenery. Baltimore to him felt like home. And that's the type of thing that I would be looking for in a player. Baltimore, obviously, we've, we've talked about the culture plenty of times. We talked about it last week. The reason the culture continues to stay so strong is because of the fact that the Ravens want to make sure that they have guys on their roster who are bought in, whether it's on the offensive side of the ball, defensive side of the ball, special teams. It's the unselfish player, those guys. And look, sure, there have been instances, you know, Marquise Brown has been upset at times and he's shown that frustration there have been plenty of other times where we've seen a Ravens player get upset. You know, no organization is perfect in terms of having sunshine and rainbows 24-7. That's, that's not how it works. But the comments by Juju Smith-Schuster told me that, one, he just didn't think it was the right fit in general because it seems like he is out there to catch passes. And again, you, you can't judge an NFL player necessarily for wanting that. You know, every NFL player has their preferences in terms of what they, what they want out of a team, what they want out of an offense, out of a quarterback. There are all those types of things. And from his comments, it seems like Juju Smith-Schuster really wanted to play with Lamar Jackson. You know, he would have embraced that. But the scheme as the Ravens have it now was not a fit for him. And I think this goes also to a bunch of the comments that we've seen with whether it be media members, fans, whatever, 
talking about, you know, oh, people don't want to play with Lamar Jackson. It's not the system, it's the quarterback. Well, these comments have me thinking that literally it is the system because Juju Smith-Schuster said, yeah, they're in a run-run heavy system. And that's fine. But at the end of the day, Sammy Watkins expressed his comfort level in Keith Williams, in Greg Roman, in the ability of these new coaches and old coaches to continue to bring along Lamar Jackson, bring along the offense. And for him, he's going to be playing on the inside and the outside quite a bit. I think they're going to use him in both of those roles. Smith-Schuster has turned into more of a slot receiver. That's not saying that he couldn't play on the outside because he has done it and he's done it at a very high level at times. But I think Watkins, based off of Smith-Schuster's comments, is the better fit. I thought it before Smith-Schuster's comments, but I don't think you want a guy who, you know, coming out right and saying these things, I think Smith-Schuster really wanted an opportunity to go out and catch footballs. And he could have done that in Baltimore too. I'm not saying that Lamar Jackson couldn't have provided him that opportunity because he most certainly could have. But at the end of the day, Sammy Watkins, I think, fits the culture I think he fits what the Ravens need. I think the cost was good. And look, Smith-Schuster signing a one-year, $8 million deal with the Steelers or whatever it was, that, that's a that's a fine bargain. But where does the playing time come? Where do the catches come? And if a player starts to become unhappy with it and starts to become toxic about it, and I don't think it would have gotten to that point, but... If it does get to that point, what happens? That's a, a key question that I think the Ravens and other organizations, all, all 32 organizations, ask themselves about. Do we have enough opportunities for these guys to keep a young receiver happy versus a veteran who has been a number one option before and now is looking to have fun in a new environment, you know, get to know Lamar Jackson and become brothers with the wide receivers in the room? I think that's more what Baltimore was looking for what the Ravens ultimately wanted and were looking for. And I think it worked out for everybody. Smith-Schuster gets to go back to Pittsburgh and try to help Ben Roethlisberger. You know, it wasn't a great year for Roethlisberger in 2020, so help him get back on track. If that will actually happen, who knows? But now Sammy Watkins gets to go to Baltimore, where he has an opportunity to be the veteran in that room to help wide receivers grow, and to catch footballs. This is a, this is something where the Ravens aren't just going to let let these guys go with no receiving yards and no touchdowns. The Ravens are going to throw the football more in 2021. You know, they started off doing that in 2020, didn't really work out. They shifted back to a very run-heavy offense. But I think with another offseason for Lamar Jackson to improve, Sammy Watkins in the fold now, hopefully another wide receiver in the fold come the fall, come the start of the 2021 year, their offense, their pass offense, plus these new coaches is going to improve and you know what? Juju Smith-Schuster might say one day, you know, they've really improved their passing offense in 2021. Maybe I should have gone there. But right now, Lamar Jackson's top target was a tight end. And Mark Andrews is a pass catcher. Juju Smith-Schuster is a pass catcher. It's not like Eric Ebron didn't catch any footballs from Ben Roethlisberger in 2020. So at the end of the day, Smith-Schuster chooses Pittsburgh. He felt their passing offense was more in tune with what he wanted. Sammy Watkins goes to Baltimore, and he felt like the cultural fit in the offense was what he was looking for. I think all parties win here, and at the end of the day, I think the Ravens got the right guy. We're going to head into our first break now, and when we return, we're going to be taking a look at the mock draft that I did for Mock Draft Sunday, so stay tuned for that, and we'll be right back. 
Bet online is the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your sports action. Football might be over, but the NBA and the NHL are in full swing. Bet online even covers awards, TV shows, and reality TV. There are real-time updated odds and props on almost anything you can imagine. Bet online is you covered for all the news scores and odds. Is the best way to place your bets and is free to sign up. Head to the website or use your mobile device to sign up today and receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Bet online, your online sportsbook experts. This April 12 to 17, join the Maryland SPCA for a virtual festival for the animals, the doggonest way to support your community. Raise money to save homeless pets and keep families together by joining a fundraising team or creating your own with your family, friends, or neighbors. Every dollar raised gives sick and injured pets a second chance and supports families in Baltimore with pet food assistance, vet care, and more. When you register for $29, you'll also receive a festival t-shirt and commemorative medal. Sign up today at mdspca.org ravens. That's mdspca.org ravens. And we return here with our second segment of this Mock Draft Monday edition of Locked On Ravens. Kevin Ostriker, your host, still talking with you here. And we're now going to get into the Mock Draft that I did for Mock Draft Sunday. Starting off with pick 27, where I selected Kadarius Toney, the wide receiver out of Florida. Now, Tony is an interesting prospect when it comes to the Ravens. There's no doubt that he has the skills to be a great NFL wide receiver. In his four years at Florida, put up 1,590 yards and 12 touchdowns while averaging 13.3 yards per catch. But the issue with Kadarius Tony that a lot of people see in terms of just him fitting in on the Ravens is the fact that he is 5'11", 189 pounds. So for the Ravens, having Marquise Brown already, someone who I think is better in the slot than he is on the outside. The Ravens also having Devin Duvernay, who's a good slot receiver. James Prochet, who should get some more opportunities next season. Sammy Watkins with the ability to play inside. You know, right now, it feels like the Ravens need someone who is more fit to be a full-time, or at least more of a full-time outside wide receiver. And for Tony, his build might not allow him to do that. But the positives with Tony is that he is absolutely electric. And I mean, literally, absolutely electric. He ended up doing a lot of different things while at the University of Florida, but he did have a design package for him. It wasn't like he was doing everything for Florida, but in the role that he was in, he did an excellent, excellent job. Whenever he's on the field, the defense has to account for him. And that's obviously what Lamar Jackson is as well. Whenever Lamar Jackson has the football, you have to account for him. With Kadarius Tony, literally his presence on the field opens up so much for an offense. But something that I actually did find a bit interesting, especially over these last two seasons with Marquise Brown, for example, is that the Ravens didn't really do a ton of trickery, and it's not like Kadarius Tony is just a gadget player. He beats man relatively easily, is really quick off of the snap, has a good first step. He doesn't have the biggest route tree, and honestly, I don't think he's going to be able to have a full route tree at the next level. But what he is asked to do, he does extremely well. And going back to my point I was making, the Ravens didn't really do a ton of trickery in 2019 or in 2020. That's not really what they did, even though they had guys like Marquise Brown and Devin Duvernay, who they could use in a lot of different ways. We saw the reverses and and the flea flickers sometimes and the failed flea flickers too. Those were definitely there, but it didn't seem like that was a part of the playbook or at least not as big of a part of the playbook as I thought they would be. So I mean, look, at the end of the day, the Ravens could use Kadarius Toney in a lot of different ways. His stats speak for himself. He got better at every year he played in college. 
And he was someone who was kind of labeled as an athlete. He came into school labeled as someone who a lot of people didn't really know what he was going to be, what he was going to be able to do, but he did improve over every single year. So that is a really nice thing. Did have a little bit of an injury history as well. He had some shoulder and shin injuries throughout the course of his college career, but you know, nothing to really be too overly concerned about there. So I would still prefer a guy like Rashad Bateman or Terrace Marshall, but Tony does have the skill set to become a very nice player if Baltimore is able to carve out a role for him on offense that fits his skill set. They can't ask him to do too much, and they shouldn't be asking anybody on their roster to do too much anyway. But if they can find a role for Tony that works, that is able to take pressure off of some of Baltimore's other targets and pass catchers, that would be a great pick. And I think that, you know, Tony's not my favorite pick, and he's someone that I think does have a little bit of redundancy with someone like Hollywood Brown. But look, talent is talent. And if Tony ends up being the stud at the NFL level and Baltimore decided to pass on him because he was too redundant, I think they'll regret it in the end. So they'll trust their draft board. And if they like Tony enough, they'll certainly take him. Next to pick 58, I went on defense and took Joseph Asai, the edge from Texas. Asai stands at 6'3", 245 pounds. And he is just, I think, what people would call a natural athlete. He's someone who can play off ball or in line as a defensive end. He's very explosive. He has a nice motor as well. And I think for him and and a lot of these guys in the draft class in terms of edge rushers, they're looking to figure out some stuff. This, This edge class has a lot of projects on it. And honestly, you could categorize most of the guys in this edge class as projects. So that's not saying they're not immediate impact players and they can't be immediate impact players. But at the same time, there are going to be some things that guys like Joseph Osai has to work through. He is a natural playmaker. He can create turnovers at a very high level. He still has to figure out how to play the run. He That's a, that's a pretty big weakness in his game right now. He has to be able to diagnose it and attack it just a little bit better. And he also was not great in pass coverage right now. But these are all things that the coaches can work on with Asai. In his three years at Texas, he accumulated 11.5 sacks, including a career-high 5.5 in 2020 to go along with 165 total tackles, two interceptions, one fumble recovery, and also five forced fumbles. So the stats were there from him. The production was there from him. He is more of a raw prospect. But again, most of the guys in this edge class are. So the Ravens are going to have to be able to understand that that is just what a lot of these guys in the edge class are going to be. So I think Osai at 58 is a bargain. I honestly don't even know if he makes it to 58, but if he does, I think the Ravens would at least look into taking him. Next to pick 104, Hunter Long, the tight end from Boston College, is this selection. And this, I think, would be an interesting pick if Baltimore decides to go this route. Long is someone who is good both as a pass catcher and as a blocker from the tight end position. 1,297 receiving yards and nine touchdowns during his three years at Boston College. And he was someone who was featured in the Boston College offense. So although he's not going to most likely be a featured guy right out of the gate for the Ravens, I think he would give them another dynamic piece to their offense and give them the three tight end sets they were looking for and missing in 2020 without Hayden Hurst in the fold. Because look, Jacob Breedland could be this next great tight end and we don't know that yet. Maybe, you know, he's going to absolutely put on a show in training camp and he'll be that guy. Maybe Eli Wolf is the guy. Maybe the Ravens like Eric Tomlinson more than people let on. Or maybe Josh Oliver comes into training camp and dominates. But Hunter Long is a proven commodity. I think that 
he is someone who is just, I think he'd fill the Hayden Hurst role. Hurst was someone who, you had Mark Andrews, the receiver, Nick Boyle, the blocker. Hayden Hurst did a, a bit of both well, and I, that's what Hunter Long does. He's 6'5", 254 pounds, so he's a very big target. He does have to get a little bit stronger, but I do think that he has the potential to fill in very nicely on this Baltimore offense. He led the nation in 2020 with 57 receptions. And those 57 receptions, again, the most by a tight end in 2020 in the nation. That, that, that's big. So he's someone who knows how to handle a heavy workload in Lamar Jackson, the Ravens offense. They love those tight ends, and I think that they provide a matchup nightmare, especially when Baltimore goes heavy with three tight ends, and the Ravens work the play-action game and the read-option game off of that. So Hunter Long could be an option if the Ravens like a tight end enough. They could certainly invest a high pick in one. Brevin Jordan is my favorite, not named Kyle Pitts, but Long is certainly someone the Ravens could go after. Next to pick 131, I selected David Moore, the interior offensive lineman from Grambling, and for David Moore, he is more of a smaller school prospect, but he is someone who I think is going to be a stud at the next level and a great mid-round selection for any team that selects him. And look, he he's someone who is great in a run-heavy offense. He showed that he is an aggressive, really physical guard. He gets out in space, is able to work really well in space. His balance is a bit of an issue. He has some plays where he's not able to have great balance, but still, he gets to the perimeter, screen passes, options, pitch plays, right? He gets out. He's six one and a half, three hundred and fifty 350 pounds. He fits what the Ravens are looking for, and with Baltimore maybe looking for a bit of depth on the interior, or maybe it's a swing tackle, I think they still add at least one offensive lineman in this draft, and I think Moore could be a nice developmental prospect because Kevin Zeitler is a phenomenal guy to have for these next couple of years, but he's not going to be a long-term solution. You know, you'll have him for a couple years, hopefully really high football from him, and I think he'll get that and he'll give that to the Ravens, but maybe more as someone who they could mold into a nice Kevin Zeitler replacement. So I do think that Moore has a way to go, but could be a nice prospect for the Ravens to develop, especially because he is a versatile piece and I think could fit in really well in what Baltimore already does. And there are a couple things, again, that David Moore does have to work on, but he's athletic enough and has the body type to fix those issues. They're not issues that are going to be with him for his entire NFL career. So at the end of the day, I think David Moore is a really nice selection for this team if they go that route. Next, Caden Stearns, the safety from Texas, is the selection at pick number 171. And for me, Stearns is a nice, versatile safety. He can play in the back end, play in single high, but also come up and play some slot cornerback, which I think the Ravens would like out of their safety. Maybe whether it be someone who can double as both a slot cornerback and a safety or vice versa. I mean, these guys, I think the Ravens positionless defense gives them options when it comes to what position they do end up playing on the field. In Stern's three years at Texas, ended up having 173 total tackles, five interceptions, and eight passes defended. And he, again, is a versatile option that I think the Ravens could like to utilize in a lot of different ways. And, you know, there are a bunch of safeties in this class that I like. Javon Merrick, Javon Holland, Andre Sisco, Richie Grant. There are a lot. But if the Ravens decide that's not as big of a need as I think a lot of people are making it out to be, 
they could end up getting someone in the late fourth, early fifth, early sixth. That ends up filling a role for them. And they also brought back Geno Stone, who I think they think very highly of. So Stearns could be someone who the Ravens draft. And I think they're going to draft one safety regardless. And maybe that is Stearns, a fellow University of Texas player, just like current Ravens safety, Deshaun Elliott. Next to pick 184, Ellerson Smith, the edge from Northern Iowa, is the selection. And at this moment, the Ravens would still be able to take two edge rushers because they haven't been able to go out and sign someone yet. Now, there is a visit coming tomorrow with Justin Houston, but who knows if that is going to get anywhere. So Ellerson Smith does give the Ravens, I think, a lot of potential. Smith is someone who did play at Northern Iowa for his whole college career, ended up having 85 tackles and 22 sacks in his three years at Northern Iowa, 14 and a half of those coming in 2019. So Smith is someone who is a good athlete, not very good against the run. He does need to improve that part of his game, but he can play a pass rusher role in a sub package. But in order to be an every down player, he has to get stronger. He's six, six and a half, 262 pounds. So the athletic profile is there. If he just beefs up a little bit, he could be a phenomenal edge player in this NFL game. And yeah, agility is there. He does have a lot to work on. Again, most of these edge rushers are a project in this class. But at the end of the day, the Ravens do have, I think, two holes right now at edge. And they're probably going to fill one with a veteran and one with a draft pick. But Right now, they still have those two holes, so two edge rushers are the selections. Finally here, Naquan Jones, the interior defensive lineman from Michigan State, is the selection. And for Jones, he's someone who can really help the Ravens, but not necessarily this year. He has a way to go, and in his couple years at Michigan State, showed nice prototypical size and length for an interior defensive lineman, stands at 6'4", weighs 323 pounds, but the potential, this is the word, the potential for Naquan Jones is there. But Michigan State didn't really play him a ton on the field. I think teams would like to see him play more on the field. He was always the second guy in, wasn't really a first option throughout his entire career there. Has a lot of power. He's very powerful and also is able to push back offensive linemen who don't have necessarily very strong anchors and also was able to control his gap very well. But he isn't really someone who lived up to a ceiling, was a four-star recruit in high school, only played 257 snaps on defense in 2019. And so for Naquan Jones, I think that he does have a lot of potential. The Ravens right now aren't necessarily looking for an immediate like 90% of snaps player, but they do have to find someone to be able to go out there in the future and play some big snaps. So Naquan Jones, I think, could be a nice prospect and project for this Ravens interior defensive line. We're going to head into our final break now, but when we return, we'll be taking a look at a couple of mock drafts that we received from Twitter. So stay tuned for that, and we'll be right back. Built Bar is the best tasting protein bar ever. The improved Built Bar is even more delicious with six new flavors, including caramel brownie, lemon almond cheesecake, carrot cake, and apple almond crisp. Built Bars are healthy. They're great for the health conscious person. You can lose or maintain weight while indulging in a delicious treat. Bars are low calorie, low sugar, high protein, and high fiber. So be sure to go to BuiltBar.com and use promo code LOCKED15 and you'll get 15% off of your next order. Use promo code LOCKED15 for 15% off at BuiltBar.com. 
And we return here with our final segment of this Mock Draft Monday edition episode of Locked On Ravens. Your host, Kevin Ostriker, still hanging out with you here. And now let's jump into a couple of mock drafts that we received from Twitter for Mock Draft Monday. And again, if your mock draft is not right out here today, I'm going to try to get to it throughout the rest of the week here on the show. So let's start off here with a mock draft from Be More Finest, who says Barmore fell, had to. And he's referring to Christian Barmore, the interior defensive lineman from Alabama, who he picked at number 27. Quinn Miners, the center from Wisconsin Whitewater, is the selection at pick 58. Ali McNeil, the interior defensive lineman, is the pick at 104, while Patrick Jones, the edge, is the selection at 131. At 171, Caden Stearns, safety, is the pick at 184. Cornell Powell, the wide receiver, is the selection. And finally, Josh Palmer, the wide receiver, is the pick at 210. So yeah, Barmore is someone who... I don't really expect to be there at 27, and if he is, Baltimore, I think, should take a look at him. He, I think, would qualify as maybe more of a surprise pick for this team because many see interior defensive linemen is a need, but do they see it as a first-round need? I'm not so sure. Barmore is far and away the best interior defensive lineman in this class, and he would provide the Ravens something both for the present and the future. So I think it'd be a phenomenal pick. Quinn Miners, I think he'd be a great pick as well. Aline McNeil with Barmore is actually really interesting. I don't know if I'm on board for this. I mean, look, I love both prospects, but do the Ravens go interior defensive line with two of their first three selections already having the Campbell-Williams-Wolf trio and Justin Metabuike on the roster already? I'm not really counting Roderick Washington right now just because I don't know what's going to go on with him in his legal process or whatever. Maybe that's all tucked and solved, but maybe it's not. So I like Lee McNeil. I like Kristen Barmore, both of them. I don't know if they're going to take both of them in the same draft, though. I think they might try to capitalize more on needs. Patrick Jones, the edge. I've talked about him before. Really nice edge player. Caden Stearns, we just talked about. A nice versatile safety. And then the combination of Cornell Powell and Josh Palmer. I think if the Ravens took Cornell Powell at 184, they wouldn't take Josh Palmer at 210. That's just me. I think both are great players. But again, I don't think the Ravens are going to have enough room to keep seven wide receivers on the roster in this mock draft. Would have the Ravens with seven wide receivers on their roster before cut down. So, overall, the really interesting draft here from Be More Finest. I like the Barmore selection. I like the Quinn Miner selection. And the rest of the draft here gives a lot of depth to the team. Double dipping at some positions, but still a lot of nice depth. Our next mock draft here comes from Reza, who has the Ravens taking Pay the edge at pick 27, Pat Fryermuth the tight end at pick 58, at 104, Deontay Brown, the interior offensive lineman is the pick, and Des Fitzpatrick, the wide receiver, is the pick at 131. Joshua Bledsoe, the safety, is the pick at 171, and Joshy Matterbebe, the wide receiver, is the pick at 184, and finally, edge Patrick Johnson is the pick at 210. So yeah, Quidipe is a phenomenal prospect. I think he's probably going to be gone before 27. Has a little bit of things to work on as he enters the NFL, but still, I think he'd be a great fit for the Ravens if he is available there at 27. Pat Frymuth, I think, kind of enters the same conversation as Brevin Jordan, Hunter Long. Guys who I think the Ravens could take early if they fall in love with them or they have fallen in love with them during the pre-draft process. But after having guys like Jacob Breeland, Eli Wolf, Eric Tomlinson, Josh Oliver already on the roster... They might not think it's so much of a need anymore. Deontay Brown is a mauler at 104. Des Fitzpatrick, one of my guys in this draft. I love this Des Fitzpatrick pick. I will always love a Des Fitzpatrick pick. Joshua Bledsoe, a nice safety. Joshy Matabebe, a big, tough wide receiver. But again, I think if the Ravens take Des Fitzpatrick at 131, they're not going to take Joshy Matabebe at 184. And Patrick Johnson for that edge depth because the Ravens have not signed a veteran edge as of this recording. So I love Pay. I love Pat Frymuth, Deontay Brown, Des Fitzpatrick. Patrick, those four picks, really, really nice selections. And then also just rounding out the draft with late round depth. So a nice draft here from Reza. 
Finally here, we're going to take a look at a mock draft from Dan Murphy, who has the Ravens taking Creed Humphrey, the interior offensive lineman at 27. At 58, Amon Ross St. Brown, the wide receiver, is the pick. Victor Dimukeji, the edge, is the pick at 104. Patrick Jones, the edge, is the pick at 131. At 171, Tyree Gillespie, the safety, is the pick. Wyatt Hubert, the edge, is the pick at 184. And Austin Watkins, the wide receiver, is the selection at 210. So off the bat, what I see with this one, a lot of edge players, three edge players. I think right now, with the Ravens not signing a veteran, I can see two. I can't really see three. Same thing with wide receiver. One wide receiver, I can see not two. I think if the Ravens were to get this class, I wouldn't be mad at it. I just think that they could get more positions, more positional value. That's what they should be looking for. You know, safety in there is nice. Interior offensive lineman with Creed Humphrey is really nice as well. But outside of edge and wide receiver, only interior offensive line and safety are the other two positions. So maybe they could go for an interior defensive lineman or a tight end or a tackle. So those types of positions, I think the Ravens are looking for. So the prospects themselves, I like, but I think the Ravens could get a bit more positional value in the 2021 draft. That's all that I have for you today. When we get back here tomorrow, we're going to be taking a look at more Ravens talk. So stay tuned for that. And I will see you tomorrow.